Hi everybody, this is Fernanda and this is Hanging on Sunset. Welcome back. We're very excited as we're only a week away from our event at the Resident in downtown LA. We'll be celebrating one year anniversary of our podcast. We're super excited. Please go on our website or, oh, by the way, we have a website now and we are super stoked to share with you guys where you can find all the episodes, all the live reports, and also you can find the link to buy tickets to our event. We'll have Analog Party, Lone Kodiak, and Yara Blondes. And as you guys know, we already had on a podcast Yara Blondes. It was actually our very first episode from season one, if you would like to check it out. And we also have Analog Party before here with us, and it was a very fun episode as well. You guys should definitely check it out. So this week, we have Lone Kodiak. So I'm not going to say no more. It's an LA trio, and if you want to check it out, we have Parker. Uh, he is the lead singer for Lone Kodiak. If you guys want to find out about him about his band about his journey just stay here with us and i hope to see you all next week so you got you got to check it out live all these amazing bands i'll be hosting the event it's gonna be so fun i'll see you guys there My niece, she's nine, and she has like loves to draw animals. And her birthday's coming up, and I'm getting one of her drawings tattooed. That's amazing. On on the first, it's like a little, a poorly drawn bunny with like carrots. Uh, that's <laughs> very cool. It's I gonna love be great. that. So you're getting a tattoo for your nine year old's niece? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, I'm getting her art tattooed on my body. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I'm getting her tattooed. Can't even. We're tat we're taking to her. She's nine. She's halfway halfway to eighteen. We're gonna get her tattooed. <laughs> and then I go to jail after. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, Parker. Nice to see you. I dripped on your floor. Nice to see you, Vincent. Very happy to have you on board. With happy this. to be here. We've been talking a, a lot about this and. We live, you know, very far away because you're in East LA. Mm -hmm. I'm in West LA, and it Island seems Park. like today it seems like it's different countries because I haven't seen you in ages. I know. <laughs> My brother but, told me before I moved here, he's like, "You're gonna find your pocket in LA. You're gonna find like your neighborhood and your couple little other neighborhoods that you go to, and that's pretty much gonna be the extent mm -hmm. of where you go mm -hmm. socially most of the time." So that's so true because I feel like I never leave my bubble too because. Well, and think about the first question you get in LA is where, what neighborhood are you yeah. in? It's always what, what neighborhood because yeah. it's so sprawled out. Yeah, it is. And, uh, but I'm happy to see you. Happy to see you as well. And, uh, in like in real, yeah. you know, real like, actual uh, life in your own flesh. And, uh, so we get to perform together again. Yeah. I'm so excited. So yes, excited. yes, yes. That was a good reason to have you here is because yeah. we're doing this. Yes. We're Fernanda. We are organi organizing our first event. 
at uh, as uh, we're the very podcast. Excited for, it's our first event, and we're gonna play at the Resident uh, November 9th with Long Kodiak, yeah, and uh, Analog Party, and of course my band Yard of Blondes, and I'll be hosting it. Yeah, amazing. So we're gonna detail uh, all of this, but uh, yeah, let's start. Let's do it. What's uh, what's your first question, Fernanda? Hi, Parker. Hello. How's it going? Super. So, what did you do to save rock and roll? What Why did I decide? What, what did, did you, you do, do to oh, save rock and roll? To save it. What did I do to save rock and roll? Oh man, I bought a bigger amp. <laughs> <laughs> I got an orange MK3, so uh, the guitars are louder. Nice. And uh, we brought in a second guitarist for this next show, so we'll be oh wow, we'll be nice and loud. Um, and we committed to it, you know, we committed to a rock sound. Finally, I feel like for a long time we were sort of on the fence. I think you probably have some parallels in, with Yard of Blondes. Is totally. we sort of had an identity crisis for a while, where you know we were Hurry Death for a minute, and it was very somber and slow. But that was sort of within our capabilities at the time because it was just me and. Daniel Alden, our bassist, and it was just the two of us playing. We played a show with you guys uh, years ago at Molly Malone's. It was yeah. really fun. And I really like that. And then we brought in Andrew, and he has more like pop influences. And the two sounds, we tried to make them work, but we always felt like we were sort of on the fence between a sort of friendly pop sound and a angstier rock sound. And it just came to a point where I was like, we need to decide what we are. I feel like we're, we were a band that was trying to please everyone all the time and in the process, pleasing no one any of the time. So, but we, also we got uh, the Trump presidency and a pandemic. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and that helped. Well, what that what's, what's edgier. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, definitely because you couldn't be neutral anymore. Like you, Previous to Trump, you could be politically neutral and that was socially acceptable. Then there came a time where it was like, hey, you're either on this side or this side and you have to choose. You can't stay out of it anymore. There is no staying out of it. Like if you're neutral on social justice causes, then I have nothing in common with you. And and honestly, it even looks bad on you. It does. It feels like you don't care. Well, and it's the same people who are like, well, if it were I would have marched with Martin Luther King. I'm like, no, you wouldn't have. You 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 would have been worried about what your neighbors thought of you. No, that's pe- what people you are done. so selfish. Yeah. All they care is about themselves. Yeah, but it, so it's hard. Obviously, a different topic, but you know. Yeah, yeah, but it's, it's very interesting, and we have time, so yeah. we can uh, address this because uh, I'm always wondering, uh, what can I do? Uh, okay, I can make a post about it mm-hmm. and say, yes, I'm very liberal, and I right right, I'm with the the people that needs. Uh, help right now that needs a voice and a spotlight and we saw it with the movement after the uh, death of george floyd yep and uh, suddenly black lives matter is in the street yep. and you cannot say anymore or oh, you know it's a marginalized movement no, no right no you have to be with it but right. what can you do um apart from just being on the social medias and sharing this money Money, give money, money. give put spend your dollars on like we all spend money at Walmart and Target and these huge conglomerations and there's black owned businesses that could use our dollar. That's what I learned just from going to some rallies and stuff is like I can be the best possible ally I can be on social media, but you know, that's all well and good and influential, but ultimately 
it's it's the the power of the dollar is the best thing I think personally like white people can do is just spend money on black owned businesses and just actually put money into it or just even donations to political candidates or social justice causes. There's all kinds of like... Or just even like volunteer, right? Volunteering is good. Yeah, being present is good as long as we don't hijack the movement in any way. Uh, So, you know, if bodies are needed and you can be a body, I went down to one where, oh man, there's some guy, I forget his name. He's like a quote-unquote Christian like worship leader guy and he was doing they were doing like a skid row ministry and doing like like, and it was like right at the height of the pandemic and skid row has been like managed like there's people who have been volunteering there for decades Mm -hmm. trying to make it better trying to help people in crisis situations and it's mostly black people who are helping down there and this you know white worship leader guy is going to come in when they're trying to keep COVID numbers low is going to come in and like sing praise music or something to these these people and so they asked for bodies down there I went down there with my motorcycle and they were trying to worship and I drove my Harley like right up right up at the front and just revved it as loud as I could I burnt the oil doing it it was great it was so fun (laughs) so you can do that you can you know disrupt you can be a direct disruptor yeah and then they were Worried about cops coming in, so I just kind of patrolled the area and, like, texted the group, like, hey, there's cops coming in from this side or this side, just to, like, give them a heads up, because, you know, the police response is generally disproportionate towards... So, do you, would you say that um, your band, Lone Kodiak, is getting more political in his music or not? Uh, I wouldn't say in the music so much. I know that, like, Make It A Weapon, which you heard is... Which I love is a direct response to like, like the the only thing you can feel is sort of pity and empathy, but you you cannot at least as a speaking as a straight white male I I can't identify, mm-hmm. but I can sympathize I can empathize I can support so that's the whole chorus is like I feel for you brother I feel for you, I'll, and I'll take your pain and try to make it a weapon in in the world of white people I will use what you've been through that's as a what weapon. I thought you were saying yeah song and i but i feel feel it's very moving yeah and it was just sort of i wanted to try to have an honest response that also didn't celebrate me you 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 took it to the emotional part yeah the uh, yeah raw emotional response to it because there is some helplessness that i think you feel there is some what do i do because you also don't want to be we all know the super liberal white person who's just you're like okay calm down and they make the movement about themselves they you know they're the center of every story, and we, I, you know, we definitely don't want to do that. We don't want to do the wrong thing or say the wrong thing. It's real tough to be a white person right now, isn't it? <laughs> well, uh, you know, I, I can relate to what you're saying. Uh, sometimes I'm, so I'm writing new songs right now, and uh, I guess it's not a surprise that they are even heavier than what we've done in the past. I just like there's so much anger in the world right now in general. Not in a bad way. We just like we we were living such a different time through through the pandemic, all those protests. So I just feel like we're still like carrying all this we're anger. processing everything that we got. Oh, we're, st- we're definitely still in the processing. Face yeah, man, rage against the machine. Your anger is a gift. <laughs> exactly. No, yeah, it's definitely not a bad thing. I feel like yeah. it's good. Like you're supposed to like stand up, speak up mm. for yourself, or like you know stand up for something. Yeah, you're we should be angry. To. We we should all you be. Should angry. be angry. Yeah, yeah. the world and it's, is fucked up. It's an it's 
it's easier, I think, to be complacent when you've got your guy in the White House or it's, you know, not your person or whatever. So, so I think it's especially important right now just to haunt even the current administration exactly. to, to like yeah. not take for granted. Yeah. Let's yeah. let's keep this thing going. I know I got lazy in the, the Obama era. I was like this activist from during the Bush years and then Obama got elected. I'm like, cool, my guy's here. And, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I didn't say anything about the drone strikes. I didn't do anything. I was just kind of a lazy activist. Then. That's what I feel like this at this time. It feels so much more intense. So mm-hmm. I feel like it was like a moment of awakening for yeah. everyone. Yep. And who do you want to be? And that, that I think that applied to us musically too. It was like, who do you want to be? Like, what's who, what's your voice? And when you find that voice, really commit to it. And it, it had come down to, it was, I think it was late 2018. And we were on our way to a So Far Sounds show. And I got a text from my bassist, Daniel Alden's girlfriend. Like, he's headed to the hospital. It's a motorcycle accident. I don't know how bad. And I'm like, oh, shit, what do we do? And we went ahead and played. It was a so far show. So we just played, I know I played acoustic guitar and it was fine. And then, and then it turns out he had like his hand had gone through the taillight of a car and he'd been knocked out and his tendons had been severed in his hand. And we didn't even know if he was going to play again. That's crazy. And so we had this like moment where we're like, okay, well, we, we had to cancel the rest of our, cause we had just had an EP had just come out and we canceled the rest of our shows for that year. And then there was a sort of fog around what our future looked like. You know, you get attached, I think, especially as an aspiring artist to what your future looks like. And it can be very disillusioning when you arrive at a different future and you have to adjust to that. It's like almost like grieving, you know, cause you're grieving these memories that you created that never actually happened. So we're kind of in this fog. And I remember February of 2019, it was just raining nonstop. And I went on a little sojourn to Ireland and just drove around the entire country and just thought about things. And I came back and I was like, I'm sure you can relate to this, Vincent. In LA, you got a lot of people in your ear all the time. You got, you know, potential agents and potential producers and promoters, and everybody wants your money and like, hey, we'll do this for you. We'll do this for you. And someone says, you know what you guys need to be? You need to be this type of music. This is what's popular right now. You know, in 2015, it was like, let's all be Mumford and Sons. You know, <laughs> now everyone hates them. You know, not everyone, but so they you you i think it's really easy to fall into identity crisis and you're like yeah yeah that sounds good that sounds really good i want to do this and people are excited about you and you get excited about yourself and then in the process you kind of lose your identity so i got back i didn't know where daniel was in the recovery process and i was just like okay what i want to do is i want to get in my little studio and i want to i want to be in my bedroom when I'm 16 and I just got my first guitar which was a PV Patriot and I had a little crate GX10 amp that had a distortion button on it nice. you know no pedals or anything I just had to I'd like quickly hit the button on the app <laughs> sometimes I'd knock it over you know I'm like check this out you know you do the smells like teen spirit riff and then you reach over and hit the button and I'm like I just want to be that kid who's like he doesn't care just loves the smashing pumpkins and loves Nirvana and just wants to play like this rock riff that I just want to show my friends so bad. I'm like, check this out. I wrote the coolest thing. And forget these producers, forget LA, forget like the expectations that you have as a person who had some moderate success in music. Like just like clear your mind and just write stuff that you just love. And I just 
wrote this song, which is Tiny Muscles, which is up on our, our Spotify now. We mm-hmm. finally put it out. And, and it's a great Daniel came too. over and I, and I played it for him and he was like, this is what we need to do. But that's probably what is missing, actually, because I feel like people care too much what's selling, like what people yeah. listen to it. That's why I feel like that's exactly where rock and roll got lost. Yeah. Well, and, and but what people also don't realize is the stuff that's getting popular that was produced three, mm-hmm. two, three years ago. So that's that's all like people have already been doing that. And by the time you can't change, if you start that now in two years, that's yeah. already going to be out. Whereas exactly. you know, rock is different in that it's you know it it's there are rock songs written fifty years ago that are awesome mm-hmm. today, and they're still just incredible. And that usually you know pop music, other than a few acts like. Paula Abdul is still, um, I can still listen to her records and Mariah, early Mariah Carey. But, you know, pop doesn't often age as well because of the synthetic nature mm-hmm. of the sound. Whereas, because it's based on trend. Yeah. Although there are some rock albums I've listened to recently that have not aged well. <laughs> I'm like, what? That's for sure. That's, what is this? It's the production in the end that doesn't That's age production. Well, yeah. It's produ- production doesn't age well. Yeah. Because trends change. Yeah. Trends change, and that's and, why you need to focus on your songwriting. Yeah, and just make the best song mm-hmm. you can. And, and I think like if you can find a voice that's yours, if you and, and also that's probably why a lot of the bands that are like mainstream right now, they all sound the same. Even yeah. mostly, especially pop artists, hip hop artists, uh, it all sounds the same. You yep. know, capitalism relies on repetition. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So one, one familiarity. One, yes. Yeah. One sings are working routine why 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 change it right <laughs> which is so lame like people don't take risks and that and also like all these people that are being like getting all those like spotify notifications like new songs they just like oh this sounds cool and, like they are like being fucking brainwashed and they don't even realize because it's yep. the exact same beat or production or whatever from the engagement because like, we want to keep you engaged we want to keep you yeah, part of this then, yeah yeah. Uh, it's really that's, hard. You said something interesting though is risk, and that's a thing that I think we're trying to challenge ourselves to do. Is let's stop trying to appeal to the masses and let's appeal like let's make sure one thing we were was really missing from our shows that I felt is I wasn't having fun hmm. when we played live. Now when it was Daniel and me and we opened for you guys at Molly Malone's, that was a great show. We were just we were, I think we were pretty drunk already, but we were happy. We had a great time, <laughs> and we 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 had a lot of fun. Um, and then at some point shows stopped being fun to me. I wasn't having fun. I wasn't enjoying it. Why, Why was that? It? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think, I think personally I was trying to, I was trying to be something I wasn't. I was trying to appeal to people. I probably was never going to appeal to It probably had to do what you were just talking about, but the loss of identity. Like identity. identity. Lack like, of confidence in my, yeah. in my craft. And I'm trying to, if you try to do something, like if someone tries to take you from what you're good at and say, hey, why don't you try doing this? And you're like, wait. It's hard. Yeah. And, and then I'm, I'm like, I'm not a pop singer. I'm not. And my voice only works in certain ranges and certain whatever. If you take me outside of that, I'm not a very good singer. I'm really good at what I do and my guitar style. I'm very good at that. But if you take me out and put me in another, I'm only mediocre and I don't want to be mediocre. And that was always in the back of my mind, like you know, mediocre, mediocre white male, you know, who can thrive <laughs> oh in America. But like, there was just this mediocrity and I was just never super confident in what I was doing. We were playing with tracks, you know, we had backing tracks going. And so the, the, the songs were rigid. 
mm, rigid tempo, yeah, tried that no too. flexibility. <laughs> it, and it, it, there's some benefits to it, I think, but we've, we've completely dispensed with playing the tracks because I'm like, Same. let's try to create the sounds and create an atmosphere and let's have flexibility. So if a certain section is going really well, I can cue the drummer and I can cue everyone and say, Hey, hold on, let's break this down. Let's bring this down in a live setting. Cause I think that's what makes live music special is you're not sure what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. If you're playing tracks, you know exactly what's going to happen and exactly when, and if you have a second guitar coming out, but there's no second guitarist on stage, you know, and you're just yeah. locked into that tempo, you're locked into that rhythm, you're locked into that set list. And if you don't get the count right at the very beginning, the whole song's ruined and you have to start it over. <laughs> That's right. And and there's this rigidity to it that I think made it so it wasn't fun anymore. And we needed to break away from that. We needed to do it drastically. We had kind of a messy parting with our old drummer. And then we got Josh, who is like, we, we just love him so much. I can't wait for you to meet him. He's just, he's just this... Like we could not have found a, a more appropriate person to be in our band. Like personality wise, his whole look, he's short like we are. Like he's like so perfect for this. And his, his, his drumming is just pocket drumming. But we we're talking about risk. And I'm like, we, we have this new song we're going to debut that we haven't recorded. We're going to, I think we might open with it at the show. Cause we're like, we're the opener. So we need to like play exciting stuff that gets people energized and stuff. And I'm like, this whole song was really great up until we got past the final chorus and the whole outro thing. And we wrote this part for it and it was fine. I liked it. It was good. But everyone's like, I don't know that that's like it. Like that's what needs to happen. And then, so we just sat in the room. I'm like, okay, what would it look like if we just completely threw this thing out? And then it end, ends up being this brand new riff where Josh is playing like these blast beats, like these old punk rock blast beats, just like bass snare, bass snare, but just really fast, faster than I can even emulate it. And like, and, and the guitars are insane. And it's just like, we, it sort of devolves into anarchy. He starts playing off time. We start like getting off time with each other intentionally to create this dissonance. And it's totally risky and it's totally different. It's like nothing we've ever done. And we didn't settle for just this part that was perfectly pleasant that mm -hmm. a lot of people would have liked, I'm sure. And our parents would have loved and said, <laughs> I like it when you sing nice, you know. And, but I was like, how do we fight the sort of um, typical, like the patterns of your songwriting? Like you get into habits mm -hmm. and how do you fight um, convention? Because mm -hmm. I feel like our we sort of like we're doing conventional framing of these songs and conventional writing. And I'm like, that's not, I don't think... It's hard to find a good it is. balance sometimes. And, and, you, and you're thinking about like, is this song going to be successful in a year? But most of the bands that I, I, like I'll find, Netflix will play a song on the credits and I'll be like, what is this? And I look it up and it's 10 years old, mm -hmm. you know? And I'm like, how have I not ever heard of this? Mm -hmm. And you know, there's bands like Cigaros and Bonavera that I, I kept hearing about them and it took me five years before I finally actually... Oh, yeah. Listen, so don't write. I don't think you should ever write for like what's happening right for now. now. Yes. You need to find your voice, commit to it, and just go for it. And if nothing else, if you're never successful, if you never achieve mainstream commercial success, which is unlikely anyway, then you've put out a great record and you have a legacy. And, you exactly. can, and your record might blow up in 10 years. And you're like, oh, I guess we got to reassemble everybody because, mm -hmm. you know. I've come to this we're not dead or too old stage of my life where I'm happy I can have a living <laughs> in LA, earn my money, and just focus on doing the songs I want to do yeah. without too much expectation. Of course, it's hard, and it's uh, it was for a long time it was hard 
on me like you know we arrived in la like 12 years ago we we yeah. met <laughs> yeah we need to share our origin story yes, at some we point. will definitely so, and uh so yeah you come to la with lots of dreams in your head and i guess it was the same for you you came from portland we're gonna yeah. go back to this but we came from france and you play yeah. Java with Javelin and you've made it. <laughs> you've made it. You start here and you're not expecting starting at the Hollywood Bowl, but you are. You have expectation stages mm. that you want to achieve levels. You can always play the whiskey if you can sell 100 tickets. You know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And we did. <laughs> and I remember that we, show. We didn't you sell had that all violinist. the tickets. Remember? Oh, yeah. Robert. Yeah, Robert. Robert was yeah. in the band. And you had... Uh, oh, my gosh. You had another guy, too. We I had, remember. Yeah. yeah. You guys had different iteration of the bands we did too. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And here we are, 11, 12 years later, and um, still doing music, still being passionate about this. And that mm. keeps me going, you know. And uh, podcast is the same thing get to talk about music and uh, try to find new angles, solutions to make it a little better. But uh, so far, I'm fine with what we have. But of course, you always dream of more touring. Totally. And, uh, you know i feel like tour is the goal for any artist like most because you get to play your music on stage in front of people that you would never cross in your life more yeah, than like yeah, once a month definitely yeah. i'm sure it's like an incredible energy something that you can really feel yeah like. man that man it just got totally just blown up by you know a global pandemic and and it's i feel like the bands that have endured the pandemic that not not the giant bands that you know are branded and and have a, a legacy but the local sort of indie bands that had were building a following and then oh, COVID they were came roughly like, affected by a ton of them the broke up and now now so how many venues in in la don't exist the satellite bootleg hi-hat hi um several others that I can't think of that closed, but bootleg is, was one of the best venues in LA, I thought. And That's satellite was like a great satellite and hi hat were both like great venues to get a good start at, like great venues yeah. to just get it. If you can play there, I could you know, never. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I love these venues too. It's, um, it's a, it's a shame. We lost so many venues, but eventually life goes on and, I'm sure other venues are gonna pop up, and uh, hopefully. But you're hard. It was you're you're right. It was hard for the most of the bands, I guess, during the pandemic. But you know, sometimes there's resilience in uh, in a process like this. Like and for us, for example, uh, we just signed with a very independent label at the beginning of the pandemic. Yeah, and they were hit by COVID. Mm -hmm. and they couldn't do anything we've discussed so we were like okay we're fucked we finally find a label and it doesn't work because right. of the pandemic and everything so we started this podcast and everything and the, and the community that is building around this is uh, bringing a lot of joy to our life because we meet so many people totally. and, and new stuff are all the last shows we've done is because of the podcast. Because yeah. I met other bands that are like, oh, hey, do, yeah. you, do you guys want to play with us? And I'm like, oh, fuck yeah. That's nice. all I want to I do. I mean, there is a community right now because before it wasn't. It's starting to grow around yeah. what we've been yeah. doing. There are a lot of micro communities around town, micro scenes. Right. And uh, But I don't think there's a connection. And uh, what, what do you feel? You're more in East LA. I think it was always more like a, 
a music community there more than in the West Side. Well, yeah, I think West Side has a different type. Like, and maybe I'm thinking of some stereotypes or reinforcing stereotypes. I've always felt when you go to North Hollywood, you're going to meet the rappers and the pop stars. When you go to East LA, you're going to meet the indie bands and then like the like the the sort of like weird bands and then you you've got like the whole like latin culture influencing a lot of bands there as well um like i think the marias were out in like redlands or something uh, i that's could be totally wrong but um i know when we we had a rehearsal spot in north hollywood for a minute and it was like it was it was all rappers and pop stars and that's a different kind of community what about west side west side like here there's uh, there's you guys well there's a lot of the <laughs> there's a lot of the like you know play at house of blues in the little upstairs room or whatever uh, a couple of those like sort of like can we get people in the bar and you play in the corner with your inoffensive <laughs> like your ukulele and your your whatever and that's all fine and good like i appreciate people are getting out and doing that um the Molly Malone's type thing where it's like, hey, we just need to fill the bar. and Yeah, I feel like that's a major problem in the scene right now. So bands are disconnected, kind of. And venues are not curating anymore. They're just filling the slots. We, we've we At our, our Highland Park Bowl show, we booked all the other bands. Like, we were responsible for booking for some reason. I'm like, why, is, why am I doing this? I don't want to be doing I this. I mean, it's good. It's good it, it was nice to curate it. In a sense, it's good because it's like I said, you invite like your friends. And like, you're going to make a night that makes sense. Yeah. You know? There's not going to be a ska band right before you. And then, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, I played those type of shows in yeah, <laughs> West are, LA. I know. Those are awful. Um, that's why we want to do our own events too. And uh, I think the next step next year is do a warehouse show. Like uh, We have a warehouse. What? No way. Yeah, we have a warehouse. Where? Uh, South Central. Nice. Yeah, we have a warehouse. Let's do it. And we want to do shows. I can't. That, probably can't. That's, that's what we're trying to come well, let's together talk with. Talk about this. We'll talk about Ooh. it. <laughs> I love it. Already. Some of the details are just, I probably shouldn't put on a podcast, but uh, they're yeah. they're good. It's okay. It's okay. But I think one positive of the pandemic that we did redid all my gear, completely redesigned my pedal board, and like upgraded. Got a new amp. And now I'm going stereo with my cabs. I brought Ooh, a new cab. Nice. And we rehearse every single week. So nice. before the vaccine came out, we were all getting tested like once a month. Or if we had any, if we had any doubts, if we're like, uh, I feel weird today, we just cancel it. But we were playing. Maybe I think it was like the April, like March is when it all started, and then April I don't think we played. But then in May we're like, okay, so everyone's kept their social bubble small. Yeah. It's just the three of us. Let's just get in a room and we'll rehearse. And so we've rehearsed every single week. And I don't think that's a discipline I've had in any band ever where, you know, I feel like a lot of the bands I've been in, especially as you get older and you have like adult grown up jobs mm-hmm. and you have obligations and you have to be somewhere. It's hard to prioritize like just being in a room with people for anything, much less like playing music together. But like we've rehearsed every single week and I've never been like that tight with a band ever in my life. And I don't know that we would have done it without the pandemic mm. because I feel like it's the type of thing where it's like, oh, we have a show in three weeks. I guess we should learn 
how to play these <laughs> that I've done like, that so many times yeah, where it's like, it's so like, it's like the day of, and you're like, what happens after the court, the second chorus there? I'm like, Oh, that's the little breakdown right here. And we, you get the acoustic guitar and you're in the back room trying to figure it out. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah I remember. Okay, cool, 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 cool. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't ever want to want to do that again. That's how you end up not playing some songs of yours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. I can, I can't relate to that a lot. That's a, one of the good sides of the pandemic. It was like a good moment for all the create, creative people, I feel like. A lot of people could like fully yeah. immerse and work on their songs. Well, on their survival. That's, yeah. that's why we have so many great albums and I feel like coming out like great music. So yep. we shoot more than ever go out for live music mm -hmm. because I'm sure people, they have been locked in their house, so many artists, and they have a lot of great things to show us. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, the grunge scene came from the, just basically the weather in Washington was just oppressive gray skies for eight, nine months out of the year and isolation because you don't want to go anywhere because you have to like gear up to walk outside. And so there's all these like silos that are created writing this like desperate music that no one's ever heard. And then suddenly it all comes out at once. And like these, so it's going to be interesting to see like the, the, the creativity that came out of mm -hmm. isolation and depression and sort of hopelessness because between the pandemic and climate change and political unrest and social issues, it's like, it's, it's a weird time just to be alive. And we're all like, are we going to be alive in 10 years? Is being in a rock band like a thing I should be prioritizing or should I be putting together my go bag because there's going to be uh, like my house is going to burn down because it rains ash. It rains ash a week out of the year here now, you know? So it's like, That's do, scary. do I need to just like get a farm should, and build like a underground silo? Should I go in line at the right. gun shop? With and it's everybody? like, it's like, Hey guys, black lives matter and climate change is important. Check out my song. You know what I mean? It's, it's hard. It's hard to like, you know, it's, it's hard. It, it, to me, I'm always self-conscious about that. Like, yeah. does my song matter? But you think about every, like when they're protesting Vietnam and you had Bob Dylan, just mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. just writing these protest songs and you, you have like all these great protest songs that we're still listening to and still play over every Vietnam scene and every, every movie. And I think the art is important. And I've gotten messages that have said like, where I've questioned like, am I, is this, what am I even, why am I trying to center any attention on myself right now when there's so many other issues that deserve more attention than I'm getting? And people are like, you know, we need it. We, we need, no, we, we need some art. We need, like, we need the music. We need the music. Yeah. Especially me, like when, once I was locked at home for how many months and we had no clue when everything was going to be We're in purgatory. Again. Yeah. Exactly. I was listening to music 24 seven. Mm -hmm. I even got a note from my neighbor downstairs because <laughs> yeah. I, I was just bored and that's what I love the most music. So I was like, turn it up and I was there by myself and so one day I found like a little note at the door to turn it down the your neighbor's like hey I'm miserable and I need you to be miserable too if you're <laughs> if you're experiencing joy in your life I need you to just cut that out yeah but if anything that shows that culture is essential yeah I, I, yeah I think so it was it came up to it became a coping mechanism right. I mean music has been always a therapy for me a cope, yeah, even a, a sanctuary and, and even before yeah. the pandemic a place so. you can go when like no one understands but yeah. there's that lyric that understands you that lyric that was written for you it hits you exactly. like nothing else does yep, exactly and you can go there it's a place yeah. you can you can go and you come out of it just 
I'm like, oh, I'm alright. Yeah, we, we need I'm you right. guys. We need. Yeah. It's weird when it comes a time when you start question, questioning the re- relevance of culture. Mm-hmm. That's weird. Like, should I be doing culture right now? Is it necessary? That's fucked up. We should never come question to that. Question that, yeah. And they're also not mutually exclusive. If if you're committing a lot of time to music and putting out music and 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 contributing art to culture, it doesn't mean. You can't also be a volunteer. You can't also be an activist. You can't also give your dollar. You can't also care about these other things. I mean, a lot of us are just slaving away at corporations and making very little money, and that's where all of our time goes. So if you've rejected that in favor of being an artist, you know, people are consuming art right now at record levels. People are just like, that's why Netflix is just like, Oh, you have a, an idea that's mediocre? Here's $100 million. Go do it. Because they just want content, content, content. Because people are consuming right now because we're like, we just don't want to think about the weight of what's happening right now. Yeah, it's definitely like a creative time too because I keep I keep saying I've been going through transitions and I was like, honestly, I'd rather make less money right now. That's what the pandemic taught me the most. I don't care. Honestly, I don't care. Obviously, I want to like I don't want to nobody wants to struggle. Everyone wants to be able to afford nice things and do what you love, but I rather make less money and be able to spend time on the projects that I'm actually passionate yeah. about than miserable how I was before like right. with no life and a crazy job and not having time for myself or for my friends. Like I value so much more my time and the things that I love. It's the most valuable thing. It, exactly. I mean, yeah. That's what I'm saying. I, I re- that's what the pandemic taught me. Like I realized there's my time is precious. Cause that, that corporation that you're working for that says you're part of the family, quote unquote <laughs> family that says no, that wants you to be there. Well, and they will replace you. If you die today, they will replace you tomorrow Mm -hmm. but if you get fired it's going to take you weeks if not months to find another job but you are absolutely dispensable to them they just want to make you feel like you're part of the family which you're absolutely not totally i'll hear that all the time like oh your family your family for me right now like it's they 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 use that a lot that's very funny that you mentioned yeah and then i was like no like i'm not family like i'm a slave yeah it's so funny. We've been talking for more than 35 minutes. Already? And we have well, so even much started talking about your journey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, that's t- why I love the podcast. He told us a little bit when he yeah, was yeah, in yeah. his bedroom, Nirvana, yeah, but, smashing yeah, pumpkins. So we exactly, can start there. Exactly. But uh, so your musical journey started in Portland, right? Yeah. So we had a band called Ember Ghost. And that's Daniel Alden, who's in the band now. He's a bassist, as I've mentioned. We had a band called Ember Ghost, and we were doing pretty well. Um, we had Sean Cochran on guitar, David Lindsay on drums, and then Sarah Jennings, who I always try to mention, um, was just this phenomenal vocalist and keyboardist that we brought on, and she really propelled us into a new level of success. We played a showcase at the Hard Rock in Salt Lake City. There was a few scouts from labels there, and they were interested. They came to our CD release show at the Roseland Theater in Portland. And then before we knew it, we were getting flown out to New York to meet with Sony Music and we played a showcase for them. That was an awkward experience. Um, and Was it all white guys in suits? It was all white guys in suits. <laughs> and what we should have done is like, you know, 
if you're in New York and you just say, Hey, we're shooting a video, everyone will show up. So if we, if we had just like put out a little ad saying you're shooting, we're shooting a video, learn this song and come to this spot. It would have been done. I think Augustana was there too. They ended up getting signed to whoever. And, um, anyway, we, we were, yeah, we had kind of, uh, without overstating it, we'd kind of conquered the Portland indie rock scene. We had worked really hard and we were able to sell out 1200 seat theaters. And, um, anyway, eventually it it fell apart in, in large part because Sarah was diagnosed with a brain tumor and I was in Florida and the Sarah was getting treatment and then it was at her she about three years later she passed away and it was at her celebration of life service in July of maybe it was 2010 um, that I ran into Daniel Alden again for the first time and I hadn't seen him in three years or something. And this is after spending like every day together. Like we worked at the same coffee shop. We went to the same high school. We're in the same music scene. You know, we're rehearsing. We're part of this like group, you know, the tragedy, like stopped it all. Yeah. I mean, there were some other things going on as well there. We were so young and we were experiencing our first little taste of success and there was tension and there was, you know, the sort of, thing you do when you're young where there's always someone to blame you know the scapegoat just sort of rotates between members that's this guy they're all the cause of all our problems and you've got and then you're getting managers and producers and the whole thing and everyone's like oh this is the weak link you need to get rid of them or rid of them and everybody i think i think everybody in the band dealt with that at one point or another but um we had something kind of special going for a while and it was pretty fun and passionate and it was like that was our whole future and then what drove you to move to LA uh that was just a job so when I moved away from Portland so you didn't move here for the music no not at all I uh, I was in Virginia for a minute job moved me out here and I was so happy that I was going to be back on the west coast there's a huge difference between the east coast and west coast as far as just cultures and the thing I like about it out here is you, especially in LA, is you can be anything you want to be here and you're not going to get a lot of people raising their eyebrows at you. You can be like a, I found this is a thing. You can be an animal communicator that can go to people's houses and talk to their pets and find out what their psychological issues are and get paid really good money for it. That's a thing you can do in LA and people just go, cool like no one's like that's not a thing Did you nobody cares no i never hired i would never because <laughs> i, know I already understand i understand business and uh, you don't want no that's anyone. good that's my side hustle <laughs> no i do understand cat language but i also know they don't speak english and anyone telling you they speak english is lying to you um but but yeah it's, that's like a thing you can be here so i actually had a job that sent me out to the west coast i was in la and then i told daniel alden i was like hey you know come down to LA we were doing like a tribute album to Sarah so we did like the old yeah we did the old Embergo songs and we recorded them with a Virginia Symphony Orchestra and we um, did this whole project and I worked with with Daniel on it and I was like just come down to LA. We is could start. We start the new. I think it is. I'll have to check. I want to listen to it again. Um, I have a CD somewhere. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh man, good times. I don't have a CD player though. Uh, 
who does just people so, 45 plus i'm gonna check it on spotify and i hope it is and if it's not you, you better in your put car it. probably no no, not. <laughs> no my car has a cd player i guess it's 12, 12 2012 so we're in 2010 probably yeah and that's when we met yeah i just arrived in the u.s booked uh, an open mic uh, open mic yeah on pico boulevard in santa monica it was raining the an urban cafe yeah it's a nice cold is it Java is it still javelin the, the coffee house is still there i guess okay but i googled yesterday java with javelin and nothing did you came out. nothing <laughs> man so there was this girl java with her ukulele she was hosting uh, an open mic and uh, it's a very tiny room right it's probably twice this right. big wow. Which and ukulele, man, very difficult instrument to play. <laughs> you have to be a real expert to know how to use one of those bad boys. So I have a lot of respect for all you ukulele players out there. Please keep doing that. Yeah, practice a lot. Or you know what else? Our ukulele is really good for firewood. If you just burn it, you can stay warm and save some money on your power bill. Java, um, if you're listening. Put it in your video, smash it. Uh, you could probably feed it to rats. See, maybe um, there's an idea for your next music video right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A ukulele, a bonfire of ukuleles. That'd be beautiful. So we met that night and uh, you were performing alone. Daniel was yeah. not in town yet. No, he wasn't. I was with Fanny and we were performing our acoustic songs. I guess it was the very beginning. And uh, friendship came out of this. I played before you guys did. You compared me to Elliot Smith, which was very nice. It was very flattering. It's, it's one of yeah. my favorite yeah. ever. Yeah, and you, I remember you You guys went on after me, and you immediately said it was hard to follow it me. Was. And I, was, I found that so flattering and so nice. And but yeah. it was for sure you sing beautifully. I told Fernanda oh, before you arrived, I said, what you heard on the record is the way he sings. There's no auto-tune or anything he did just I, sings I, I the same him i was listening to your music on my way here and i was driving i was like wow like i really love it they're great and i was like i'm excited to see them at the at the, at the or, resident or, at the resident yeah and then he told me yeah he told me that. yeah i'm stoked for that show i'm still a fan it'll yeah. be a lot of fun it'll be a yeah. good time it's gonna be good i'm times. a fan of your vocal style and your songwriting oh thanks likewise <laughs> thank you and um yeah 2010 daniel comes here um you you released that ember ghost tribute yeah we came to y'all's house yeah had one of the funnest nights i've ever had <laughs> in my life i don't know that i've laughed that hard before or since <laughs> wild times wild times yeah. <laughs> and then uh, hurry death was born yeah hurry death was just a sort of um very somber everyone thought we were a metal band i kind of still regret rebranding from that i wish we just kind of kept the name i loved it yeah i i i miss a little bit i might maybe i'll revive it but i i, I like the name alone kodiak as well but we were where did that, that come from that was uh we had like literally we had agreed to rebrand hurry death because it was like everyone's gonna think you're a metal band i'm like yeah okay and between our between management and producers and everybody they're like yeah we should change the name and i'm like okay it took some convincing but we did it and then between our old drummer and daniel and me we just had like a hundred emails exchanged about names we could use and it was one of the most awful processes ever 
and I think I was reading some article about a bear, and it was like a lo- it was like a, a lone Kodiak was found, you know, <laughs> blah blah blah, and I was like, that's uh, that's it, and then I <laughs> I did like a mount ma- I I did like a I got a picture of like a mountain range like the Tetons in black and white, and just did a big bold lone Kodiak font over it, emailed it to everybody, and they're like, everyone was like, yep. That's the name, and I'm Kodiak like, yes. Kodiak is a bear. Kodiak, yeah, the Kodiak bear. Yeah, it's a big, it's a giant brown bear. It's a huge, it's like a grizzly. Fits you well. Yeah, so <laughs> no, we it's like. A, it's a cool name. I like it. No, it's it's we, we, it's the idea of like a like like a big like big and intimate all at once. So like the idea of a singular bear by itself in a vast wilderness. So it's this huge thing, but against the vastness of the wilderness it's in, it's very small. Hmm. So both large and small, same time, <laughs> intimate and vast all at once. That was kind of what we were going for. Yeah. It fits you well. And you, you like uh, the nature. I feel like once it's in It's like a while, me. I'm a small person, big personality, you know, <laughs> like one of those little yappy dogs that <laughs> thinks he's bigger than he is, you know. And, and once in, in a while, very often I, I feel like, because I'm following you on Instagram and stuff, I, you're like retreating to nature and climbing yeah. mountains, right? Mm-hmm. You, yeah. Is that something that came out during the last years? or No, I've, I mean, growing up in the Northwest and Oregon and Washington. I was going to say you were born in Oregon, right? Yeah, like it's, that's, that's just sort of... Nature is a big part of it. And I didn't realize that uh, until I moved away from the Northwest is that camping isn't a thing that everyone does. But in the Northwest, it's just part of your life. Like climbing mountains and hiking mountains and everything is just part of your life. So, yeah, we did. I did Mount Whitney in in May, and wow. uh, we just had a climbing weekend in Alabama Hills last weekend. And I find actually, to me, it's just like music and the outdoors and outdoor activities and bouldering is is medication. Is keeps me centered keeps me from that fog of depression and anxiety and self-doubt and i find that if i can come back from a weekend of nice climbing i I come back inspired and i i want to write and i want to i want to be involved in the community and if i don't get that time away from the community then i start to overanalyze interactions and and get anxious and think that i'm in an imposter and all these just you're my brain you know how everybody goes through this yeah, their brain just messes totally. with them and the, you're not part of this group they don't actually like you and and when really no one's thinking about you that much and they're just like oh you're here great and that's you know we're all so caught up in our own lives and so i find that getting outside and and simplifying life with a climb where you're you know 40 50 feet up and you have to trust your blair on the ground or if you're just bouldering if you fall you fall but if you're up you're up if you're down you're down and life is simple for a minute and then you come back and and you can approach complex life the same thing happens with rehearsal though if we, we play music if we don't play for a week i find myself getting angsty and it, i can feel it on my shoulders and and i i want that to translate when we play live shows is that these guys love being together they love the music they're playing they love doing this and i feel like that's infectious and if you can start there I think the audience will relate to you more than if you're like presenting the idea of what you want to be. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, 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 you're yeah. you're sort of like, we love this and we hope you love it as well. It's all about like connection, a connection yeah. between the band and connection with the audience. Also, right. like if you cannot connect to your audience, the shows and suck. Right. Yep. 
And if you can't connect to your own music, I mean, but if you're bored but starts, playing your own but music, but it starts right there. You have yeah. to be connected to your music and with your band. Yeah. And if you don't have this type of connection, it's not it's not right. going to go anywhere. And I think of these shows that I've loved, and the shows that I loved are when like the the players are like in it. They are lost in what they're doing, and they're just in it. And then they invite you to be in it with them, and you're like, oh, this is. You know, yesterday I was uh, watching. They released the the Basement series, you know, Nigel Goldrich, Radiohead producer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He filmed and taped uh, in the Basement. Yeah. I think it's one of the BBC studios. Lots of concerts. And last night I uh, I went through this and I, I watched uh, Radiohead performance for the King of Limbs. Who's Radiohead? <laughs> A weird band. And I, <laughs> I love didn't connect to that record when it came out, King of Limbs. Yeah. It was really... Mm-hmm. I thought this was jazz music, and yeah. I love jazz, yeah. but uh, I mean, it, it didn't resonate with me. And yesterday I watched it. I started, I was like, I was curious. I was, how is it filmed? How does it sound? And then I watched everything because the band was locked in mm-hmm. what they're doing, not using tracks like we talked earlier, and they're reproducing everything organically, and everybody's so tight and locked in. It just feels. Almost Good. like they're professionals. <laughs> Almost. Yeah. No, they have a bright future. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I think that Radiohead band might have a future ahead of them. We'll see. It's one to keep an eye on, folks. I said it here first. Yeah, I heard, I heard they're pretty good. We'll see. Yeah, we'll Listen see. Listen to the last single, Creep. It's uh, it's good. Yeah. The latest single, Creep. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. a good one. Kind of grungy. Uh, <laughs> no, but uh, you know what I mean. Like, there, uh, is there, if there's one band that emphasize it this like don't care uh about expectations they're playing the music they want to play they've been doing that throughout their careers and we can look back and say look at all the records and see the progression and it's always unexpected and if you listen to key day and amnesiac which i've done because they're doing the reissue thing yeah and you're like 2000 20 years ago really it's insane. It sounds like it was made yesterday. Yeah. Well, good music is timeless. And I remember when it came That's out. Like, oh, it's good. I had a lot of uh, struggle understanding it at first. Now I listen to it. It's like it flows. I get it because time has passed. I've listened to it so much. And now I'm used to this sonorities, this sound. And I guess it's a good example on, on how, okay. Well, of course, they're very successful. It's Alps. <laughs> but they Helps if you've already had a huge smash single, yeah. If they kept playing, like, creep type of song, they wouldn't be the band they are no, today. They, they wouldn't would be have. And also, there's, that's also why creep is still creep. We still like exactly. creep. Exactly. Because, because there's one creep. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> well, there are many creeps. In LA, actually, there are so <laughs> many creeps. <laughs> that's why we need to do talks from LA sometimes yeah we, lo- we love LA but it's a very heavy place yeah. yeah so you haven't released music in a while what's uh... yeah we we have just been kind of in this holding pattern because we wanted to release the idea was to release this six song EP and we played a saw like we played like an intimate show on March 4th 2020 and that was like the introduction introduction to the music <laughs> and it was good time we wrapped we wrapped guitars and product we wrapped like pre-production or uh all the mass major production we wrapped 
on St. Patrick's Day of 2020. And... You know, it was like uh, it was it, that was the day that the shutdown happened. That was shutdown was happening that night, and it was everything felt weird. And then there were no shows for the rest of that year. And we put out Tiny Muscles, and then we have two songs left from that EP that we haven't released yet, but we've already sort of grown past them a little bit. So that's the problem. We're either going to just put the thing out at some point. We've already recorded five new songs. And we're going back next month to record five more for a full length album, which we'll probably put out next year. But it's been hard. It's been challenging to come up with a clear marketing strategy because even Facebook and all that stuff has changed really dramatically. And it, oh, yeah. it's sort of like our, our usual approach is to start organically, play these songs live, play them a lot play in different areas around, you know, go out to Vegas, go down to San Diego, go up to San Francisco Play it, play out, play out, play out. It provides we play in all Vegas. the content. We'll talk about that. Yeah, we should. We totally should. I'd love to. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, the whole like getting your music out there right now has been super cloudy to me. Usually, that's really clear. I know exactly what I want to do, exactly how I want to market it. You know that we did a Kickstarter for that the Ember Ghost project, and it was I think we realized like twelve thousand dollars in a month, and it was like I couldn't do that now. I have no idea how to even reach people. Like I don't, I don't even. I don't know anything so about it So many anymore. stuff are being released every day on Spotify. Yeah. It's overwhelming. Millions right? of songs. It's so just like, not just yeah. like Spotify. Like, I feel like all yeah. those like Instagram I mean, platform, are, sorry. are TikTok. Right. It's because I'm using it's, this. No, 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 totally. But it's so overwhelming. Yeah. It is overwhelming in yeah. a way. And plus, we're growing up. We're yeah. old. And yeah. a new generation is doing other stuff. And yeah. they're, they were born with it. And they're yeah, if those young people, better. if you guys could just stop. <laughs> for a minute like we're almost dead just give it's us like a chance whatever is yeah. happening we yeah. don't like it yeah, we it don't like it we don't approve of it i don't understand it <laughs> you can give us a month in the year where all the old people can yeah. release their stuff it's like veterans Let's come out freeze time and go back to the 90s yeah. that's my yeah. advice yeah. yeah i mean you're close you would you could drop you right in the 90s right now <laughs> And I'll fit in. Yeah, you got a flannel shirt, you know, the denim. It would be, yeah, you'd I'm right a there. Forever growing kid. Yeah. Who was the works. scene in Portland in the 90s? Because in the 90s, I don't know. I wasn't alive. Just Seattle. Given that I'm only 25 years yeah, old, yeah. I don't know what sure. it was like in the 90s. I I actually don't know what it was like in the 90s. Um, but I know what it was like in the early 2000s, and it was, you know, I think Portland was just a mecca for the hardcore scene for the emo scene and you every hardcore really? band that came out oh yeah and i i loved that so much so you could and we were doing well at the time so we got to go to all these shows for free but like yeah there were there were and you know thursday type emo bands and um just hardcore bands and screamy you didn't have to be a good singer to be the singer of your band you could just bah! you know it was great <laughs> and um yeah, it was it was it was a really fun time. It was crowded because everybody was in a band. Everybody, it was like the thing that you had to do, and we all had stupid haircuts and bad tattoos and See, I miss that. tight I, jeans. I miss hearing that. Like we had like was we had like band. size five Hollister girl jeans. You know, that was like what all the That's guys amazing. wore, and um, it was yeah, it was great. It, not all of it has aged well, and it was it was very white, but it was it was a lot of fun. Yeah. And every show would sell out, and 
There's just a lot of screaming. How a lot can of we yelling. bring that back? We can't can bring we? can't bring that back. No, I, I don't think I and I still like hardcore, but I I mean the I the don't whole care thing about people finding their identity in a musical community because that was it, right? Yeah. Find, find your tribe. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Today, how do young people find their tribe? Do it's just the social medias? You think? Yeah, it's, I think it's. I think we live in a different world. I think. I think. Uh, the sort of if you exist in the online world you're like a flip side of narcissism and crippling insecurity so on one side it's super self-centered the other side you're as insecure as you could possibly be because you don't get that dopamine rush from the likes or whatever and so many of the groups and artists that we go to see aren't we're not even interested in the music they've created a brand they've created you know, someone tweeted about them and now they're a big thing and the music has very little to do with it. So I think that if you're trying too hard to create a scene, you will fail. But if you just create it, I think that's where you can might find some success is if you just do something and you're really committed to it, you know, Consistent. if you build it, they will come. Like just build your scene Bring Find your bands, bring them together, put on festivals, you know, do curate your show. And there are people out there, I believe, that are like looking for substantial music. And maybe it's not even in the rock scene, but yeah. they are looking for music with some, some as a vegan, you know, as with the meat on its bones. Like they're looking for music that will shake them. That will, you know, that it's rowdy and anar- that has some anarchy and some uh, that punk rock spirit to it that just is like, let's go nuts, you know, let's have a good time. I think, I think that, let's get but rock right always now. does that. Rock always has its little like, okay, it needs to go away for a while because Limp Bizkit and Creed. So you guys need to go away for a while. And then it has to go back and reinvent itself. I mean, think about like 80s rock was terrible. It's fun, but it was terrible. And then Nirvana came along and just destroyed it. And then grunge went out and we had NSYNC and boy bands for a while. And then emo came along and then emo was awful. And then hardcore sort of followed up that and screamo followed that up. And we're like, okay, enough white boys screaming, like swinging mics around, you know, and the, 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 the tight jeans on. Back. Yeah. <laughs> And then Mumford and Sons is like, I mean, we could do a banjo. And everyone's like, yay. And and now everyone's like, okay, please stop. Please don't do that anymore. I know. I remember when I moved to LA, it was Mumford and Sons. It was um, Monsters and Man. Yeah. It was like a whole thing. And then after like... All sorts of cutesy and... Like, we're we're done. Yeah. Okay. Okay. okay, Right. Right. (laughs) So I I think we're in a good place where like just create a scene, just keep moving forward with what we're doing and and we need the punk attitude yeah what, whatever i kind yeah of i music just i just hope it. whoever phase is coming next is just gonna be loud and we can like release all this rage this see that's anger. What, but what you're saying is like people are craving that and they are craving that i think so but you can't create it based on the craving you have to create it before you even know the craving exists. And then mm-hmm. people will hear it and not realize that they needed this. Yeah. They needed to hear a Guess band like it's this. It's organic. It's organic. Yeah, you can't. I don't think you can sort of reverse engineer yeah. your marketing strategy. I don't think you can start with like, okay, well, we really want people to like this. I'm like, well, well, then you're writing an authentic music. If you're writing it for people to like it, 
you know, when we were kids, we wrote to piss off our parents, to piss off do government you, do you and think school Kurt authorities. Cobain, when he was doing his thing and writing <laughs> his lyrics and playing his guitar, he gave a he gave he gave a damn what people was gonna think of his music. And that's what people loved about it was that's the exactly the the, the yeah. rebellion. And as you get older, I think it gets harder too because we're like, oh, I don't know, is that against the rules? And like, you just sort of. Want to behave people, a little people more, have and been so like concerned about there's right. so many rules right now. I'm like, how can I get arrested at the resident show? Like, <laughs> like how can how can <laughs> how can they tell us to never play there again? You know, that's that's what I'm thinking. Oh, I'm sorry. That's good. That's, that's good. good. That, I, I have yeah. a feeling that's gonna be a good show, guys. Yeah. <laughs> we might end up naked. Well, I hope so. <laughs> I mean, now you've got my expectations. Uh, so. Yeah, that's amazing. That's right. I can't wait. So you got an album coming. Yeah, next year we'll have a full length. Fuck done. Yeah. And I even now it's like, oh, just do singles. People are only listening to singles. I'm like, yeah, but I maybe that's the path today, but the path changes every fucking month on on these like oh, yeah but like also it depends on how you feel like like exactly what you're talking about like i'm not gonna release a single by single that's that's why everyone's doing it like i yeah. want to put on an album i'm gonna fucking put on an album. the yeah. single thing allows you to promote more your record coming because you release one single you have one week of attention <laughs> And then you release another one. So we've done that. Because also I feel like people don't listen to full albums anymore. It's very rare. Someone that takes and listens to it. They're like, oh, I like this song. I also feel like there's a renaissance though because I've built up my vinyl collection over the last three or four years because I'm, I got a nice record player with a nice speaker for Christmas and like I have been buying a new vinyl every month and I've been listening to them from start to finish as they're intended because I miss that and not a lot of younger people I think will understand what it's like when you go to Tower Records and you pick up a CD and you you figure you know you can scratch it on the corner you know take the CD along the corner and you rip off the plastic and you open it and you can smell oh, and you read through was, the liner notes you put the CD in or even the tape or the you know and I never got into records when I was young because that wasn't a thing that had gone out but now it's like a thing where like you put it on You know, you play it and you, you just like let the record play cover. from start. Yeah. You, you, you got just, the lyrics on. Yeah. There. You got yeah, the, the artwork and the yeah. and the smell of it and the whole process of opening okay. it to me is like a big part of like listening to music. For and sure. I think I do both. Yeah. I, yeah. I use Spotify a lot. I have to say. Yeah, I do too. And I, I uh, and I'm just so grateful that they pay their artists so well. You know, we get <laughs> we get three dollars a play. Oh wait, wait, wait. This no, has it's to change no. it's point zero 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 three or eight or something. It's uh, yeah. eight thousand dollars for a million streams. Yeah, <laughs> eight thousand for a million. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So that tells yeah. me. And how many artists have you seen that have a million plays on Spotify and 20 people at their shows? Because I've seen a bunch of those. Yes. And There I'm like, what is what does success look like then? If you if you've got a million plays, congratulations! Can you bring anybody to your show? I'm I'm not gonna say names, but I've been I've seen bands thriving on Spotify. Gossip, gossip. No, go to their show and uh, they're just another local band, yeah. and that hurts me a lot yeah. because they're doing great and they're playing their game by the rules. They have a marketing strategy. They have a good label that helping them. And then you go to the show and, it, and you're like, oh my God, it's like, it's the Everest to yeah. get there. Mm -hmm. And then you talk to them, they're on tour and everything and they barely survive. It's, uh, I don't know, it's our dream, but <laughs> it's like fucking tough. 
Yeah. I mean, but that's also part of being a musician is being a rebel and like you know that's your lifestyle. Like you don't know what life is gonna be I mean, like. You don't have to be miserable. <laughs> I mean. But the the struggle is what you're talking the str- about. Yeah, the struggle is part of it. It's part of it. It's part because of the Because there's there's also like I I always get really depressed after shows. Like the next day, I'm like really down. Because I've really, I'm so excited to play live, and you just expend all this like, emotional energy on stage, and like all this culmination. And you don't want to do and. It's like a drug. Like, yeah. You don't want the, the, to go away. And I like if we don't have a booking to follow it up, I'm like, oh man, what's next? Oh, I don't. No, uh. totally. I and feel it just, that. I it like. I can feel it. I'm like, I, I feel the presses when I go to shows and I go to see like my favorite bands that yep. I grew up listening that you don't get to see them a lot because they only yeah. tour sometimes. And then when you're there, you don't want it to. You don't want it to end. Like when they have like two shows, like I want to go to the two shows because you like you want more. Right. And right. I do feel depressed. I have depression after the shows. <laughs> What are the bands you look up to in the LA scene? Uh, Night Talks is a band we just played with at uh, Highland Park Bowl, and they just. You know, when you're like looking for live bands that have that thing, they just have that thing, and nice. they just they just really performed well, had more professional, had their stuff together, very friendly, and just had a sound that was their own, a style that was their own, and a whole voice that was their own. It's definitely them, and played with uh, the social that night too. And uh, I think you've actually met um, their drummer. He was he played with Lane back in the day so when we played that show at El Cid way back in the day with Lane he he drummed for them um, and then it's just like so many of the bands I knew like didn't survive the scene over there but I know you know we we have a small group uh, you know the Dooms and oh yeah uh, Dooms I like them yeah and Talker uh, she was on the podcast uh, oh she was recently uh, we're gonna air our she's episode. the same producer as us oh right yeah So Kyle Mangles, our, our producer. Um, so, but yeah, I, I definitely haven't gone to as many shows as I would have liked to. Just a lot of it is just like the venues have closed down um, or people just aren't playing live or they're just not ready to play live. So, yeah, but yeah, I mean, definitely Night Talks. Oh, there's uh, Egg Drop Soup. They're oh, yeah. they're good too, yeah. and they're very good. Yeah, they've established a voice, and I'm, I like that. There's you're seeing a lot more women in the rock scene now, and they're kind of dominating it. To be honest, they're kind of like, because because it's the type of thing where there's stuff definitely so like the good old boy club in the rock scene where it's like I remember Sarah used to always get asked. She's like, "Are you actually in the band?" She would get that all the time. Jenny you know, gets that yep. Every time we arrive yeah. in a venue, she's blonde and pretty, and so uh, clearly she can't play an instrument. When I ask for the wristband, that's such know? a bullshit. Like, yeah, it is. Arrive at the door, uh, so you are accompanying the. Ba- I'm the fucking bass player, right, dude? So if you if you're a woman in a rock band, well, you're already not supposed to be there, quote unquote, not supposed to be there. You're not, you don't belong there. So then, fuck you. We're gonna write some crazy music. And we're just gonna have fun with this, and and they're already got that kind of the defiance and that boldness to go out and play, and so, uh, you know, I agree. A lot yeah. of the exciting acts I've been discovering lately are fronted by women. Yeah, absolutely. Because and they have that punk vibe. Right. There's a indie, you know, folky, thriving scene with yeah. girls right now, but yeah. there are also a lots of. Punk. Well, and it's getting harder to listen to the angry white man. Because it's like, really? You're angry? Really? 
like you're mad. Oh, oh, you, you poor thing. Yeah, I think, I think, women are in a renaissance now, where they're like, yeah, we, we, this isn't new. You know, we've been going through this for a while, and fuck all of you. And here's the song about it. And it's like, okay, I can get behind that. That's that's kick ass. Um, whereas with you know, with us white dudes, it's like, oh yeah, poor thing, you had it so hard. So much to be angry about. All the injustice that's been done to you. I know. Minorities you got, you got a, are replacing us. Your your parts <laughs> your your parking ticket. You know and. <laughs> The the scene, the rock scene has been almost exclusively for white males. Almost exclusively. And it's not anymore. And that's good.
Thank you, Parker. Yeah, thank you. For, thank uh, you. This was very fun. Coming that here and having this discussion. Yeah. And I think, it, you know, it brings me joy. Yeah, yeah. opening our minds too, to yeah. other subjects. That's yes. not just yes, about yes. our little lives and little world that, we live, for, in, that we live in. Thank yes. you for being smart and uh, bringing that uh, with you today. Uh, you're so welcome. I am just so grateful to be able to, to bless you with my presence. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm so happy to be able to share my greatness no. with you nice. and the audience. Nice. Thank you so much. I hope Blair. my sarcasm comes through on the. I'll make sure podcast. it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> Who is radio? Radiohead. <laughs> All right, you folks. Do they have that day? song uh, "Wonderwall"? Yes. Oh totally yeah, I know that. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Cool. Thank you for your thanks, big, guys. Big See you next time. See you at the resident in downtown LA, yes, November 9th. Yeah, it's a Tuesday, but come on, get your ass out of that couch. We don't right? care. It's Tuesday, we'll be there. Or you can bring your couch, bring your couch. <laughs> and I mean, if you come bring on, your come couch, on, come on your pajamas. I guess I give you a beer if you come with your couch. Yes, bye. Oh my goodness. <laughs>